Welcome to the We Love Arabian Horses podcast, sponsored by Markel, the insurance with horse sense. Let's jump right in. This is Paul Costa with the We Love Arabian Horses podcast, and we're thrilled today to have Jim Porsche, who is the chairman of the Sport Horse Commission, um, the U.S. National Sport Horse Commission. Jim, welcome to the program. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for inviting me. Well, we wanted to get an update, Jim. You guys have had a couple great years and really had a lot of fantastic activities at Sport Horse Nationals, and I know you've got a lot in plans for next year. Um, we did a podcast with you, if those want to go back and listen, about two years ago, um, but now would be a great time. Why don't you start real quickly with a couple-minute overview of how you found your passion for Arabian horses. It's certainly significant. Well, I started with Arabian horses when I was 17. I was raised on a cattle ranch here in southern New Mexico, and but I had always been attracted to Arabian horses. Uh, I guess it was Walter Farley's The Black Stallion that uh, sparked that interest. But So I wanted to work for an Arabian breeder, and through Tom McNair, uh, Tom McNair I was uh, connected to Richard Pritzloff, who had a ranch here in New Mexico, and was one of the early importers of Egyptian horses. And so I spent a summer up there while I was in high school and uh, kind of was immersed into the bloodlines and the history and the romance and everything that goes with uh, the Arabian horse, uh, including some outstanding foundation stock. Well, you know, I, I, I ask that question of a lot of folks, and it's very interesting that, so many people got started in something in a way that was very similar. Yeah, I can understand that. I, I can understand that. I think you know, it is the romance of our horses that uh, can spark that interest. Something like it. I mean, I have hobbies and I have passions, but there's just nothing like this emotion for the Arabian horse. So, well, I'm glad that you found it, and we're glad that we have you, and you're the king of the Sport Horse Commission in terms of putting out a good horse show every year and running a fantastic event with a ton of volunteers. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it the last two years and any other updates? Well, I don't do this alone, and I have an incredible group of commissioners that we have, some of us have been with this for a long time, and some of, us, some of them we have hand-selected uh, to join the commission, and they have all been excellent choices. Uh, we kind of started out with that mentor program where uh, the commissioners or someone that's interested in the commission comes on and works with us. We've had our last one was Cricket Gates, and she has been an excellent addition to our commission and has helped us in the Sport Horse in Hand and the Sport Horse Under Saddle ring, uh, the sanctuary, which is what it's called, that arena is called at WEC. But anyway, so... Uh, back to your your question, I think that all of us are that are on the commission have a passion for the Arabian sport horse, um, depending on where our unique interests lie, be it dressage or, in my case, the hunter jumpers or the um, the under saddle and the in hand portion of it. To, to try and produce an Arabian that is um, really, um, you know, kind of well-suited for those particular d disciplines. 
and we're coming closer and closer to our goals all the time. Our horses are just getting better and better. It was really exciting this year to see the young horses that had come out for our uh, yearling and two-year-old and three-year-old, our jackpot and the three-year-old, and which we added this year, and to see the quality of horses that are coming, which means that our then the next step, our performance divisions are going to be that much stronger because these horses are being bred specifically for it. Well, you've got two things going on, I believe, so confirm if I'm correct. You've got more breeding for specific, you know, sport horse type horses, and then you've got more trainers who are focusing on sport horse only as that is their main ring. Is that correct? I think that we are bringing trainers in. You know, we're a discipline-based um, show, and so more so than a breed show, although we are a breed show, in fact, the only standalone breed show for the sport horses in the country. But um, we utilize a lot of trainers from, you know, that might work in other breeds, and then they are exposed to our breed because our exhibitors have a tendency to be hands-on, and so they take lessons and or kind of go down that path on their own using experts and trainers in those particular disciplines. So, yes, we are exposing more and more trainers to our breed, um, and a, a lot of them are loving our show and they're loving to work with our exhibitors and, and our horses, and so we see them return. And I don't know that any of them are exclusive to our breed, just yet, but they certainly have welcomed them with open arms. Well, and there are some Arabian trainers that have focused now their business on the sport horse community, um, a couple that I know for sure, and I think there's a few more that are switching over. So that's another aspect of growth. Certainly, and and we've had a lot of trainers that have been Arabian trainers that have been with us for a long time. They kind of jumped on the bandwagon early on. So, yes, you're correct in that. Well, and some of them started out with just a few sport horses, but it kind of grew so much for them, it kind of then became their primary business, and it gives them much more of a focus. So sure. anyway, all, all those things are good news that cause um, growth for this particular category in the Arabian horse world. Yes. Now, you have, a, you have a ton of exhibitors, and they come from all walks of life. Tell us a little bit about your exhibitors and the show and how you all have fun and entertain everyone. Well, um, I think that part of our issue was for many years that we just were kind of floundering around with our facilities because of the fact that we're basically running, you know, three to four shows at the same time, and we need to have specific requirements. The dressage, we have three courts that we need to run full-time during the show. We need a hunter-jumper ring that runs the whole time during the show and all of the equipment that goes with that. And then we have our sport horse in hand and our sport horse under saddle. So we need those rings too. And that requires us to use a lot of judges, but it requires us to also use uh, the number of rings. And the rings have to be kind of specifically designed for those particular disciplines and we've tried to you know kind of cram that size of a show into rodeo grounds and fairgrounds across the country 
And when we went to Balmoral in outside of Chicago in 2019 and our exhibitors saw um, how much better our horses performed and how much more fun it was when we were on a, in a facility that was designed specifically sport, for sport horses, then they got it for the first time. And there's been a huge push for us to to use a facility that is designed specifically for sport horses. And so in 20, um, let's see, what is this, 2022, 2021, we went to WEC, the World Equestrian Center in Wilmington, Ohio, for the first time. And that was the largest sport horse national show that we've ever held in the 20 years. This year was our 20th year anniversary. We went back to WEC, and it was a, um, a positive show, too. Still, the numbers were up, and um, we had been able to kind of streamline the show once we knew the facility and um, what we needed to do to make it a little bit better. So it was even a better show this year. Everyone and just to confirm, time. you're talking about WEC in Ocala or WEC in Ohio? No, it's WEC in Ohio. Okay. It's WEC in Ohio, not WEC in Ocala. Well, Same you know, they need to have WEC O and WEC F. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, um, tell us a little bit about your plans, um, any conversations that you can share about changes for the future or what y'all are planning for 2023. Well, I think we're real, you know, there was, there's always anytime you, you know, a, a show is fluid and anytime you hold a show, there's things that you'd like to change or fix and there's ideas that come up and um, we're, we were pretty pleased with this last year. And so there's going to just be some minor t uh, tweaking that we have to do for 2023. Our contact, our contract is through 2023 and so um, we'd like to, we're working on the patron program uh, to kind of give the, our patrons a little bit more. We've never been able to really um, develop the patron program in some, as we floated around because there just wasn't um, these benefits that we could offer them, be it the turnouts for their horses, uh, preferred stabling, golf course, that sort of thing. We can do that at WEC. We could do it at Balmora, but we haven't been able to do it at other places. So right now, in fact, I was just finishing up an email with my commission as we discuss what we're going to do with the patron program and see if we can't um, make those patrons who do sponsor the show feel a little bit more special and, uh, yeah. and appreciated for what they do for us. So let's have a uh, little stats. How many horses do y'all normally have at the Sport Horse Nationals? We had uh, almost six, well, we had 600 horses in 2021, and we had 535 in 2022. We felt we were down a little bit because as people scrambled around to figure out qualifications, some of these horses didn't get qualified. And, uh, we are, um, that is an issue with our horses and getting them qualified because in parts of the country there is very little opportunity for some people to qualify. Um, the desire is there and they can show in the open shows, but the sport horse in hand and the sport horse under saddle is a little bit limited for them. Um, just show management kind of struggles. I think all of their shows are struggling and, and sport horses as well with that. 
And so, you know, people are working on that and trying to uh, increase the shows and the activity in their areas. Gotcha. So they have more qualifying shows. More opportunities. I don't know that they need more shows. They just need more opportunities to qualify. I got you. Yeah. You know, it's it's learning the qualifications and what is required there. Um, and some people don't understand our open qualification program, which they can do in dressage or they can do in hunter jumper, and they can get them qualified in these open shows. But some people just haven't gone through that process and haven't figured it out yet. So, Jim, one thing I don't think many people understand is the amount of effort and people hands on deck it takes to run these events. Why don't you talk a little bit about, you've got three basic structures at least, um, besides the facility and their people that you've hired, you've got your commission, your show commission, you've got your kind of like a committee, and then you've got, um, you know, you've got staff and volunteers at the event itself. Talk a little bit about them and how much it takes to get all this done. Well, it's a it's a huge undertaking. Any national show is, and we're not unique in that. We have, for every one of our judges, you know, they need a scribe. And so those scribes, some of them have been working for us for the entire time the show's been going on. I think we gave out a couple of 20-year pins at this last show, people that have been with us. Tag Johnson is one of them. Pat Crutchett was another one. Um, they were at the first Sport Horse Nationals, and they were at this one, this last one. And um, so there's a full gamut of people that are the first time this year and then people that have been there for a long time. I think that our numbers, we have about 60 to 65 people that we employ or, or are on the um, are on the, um, I don't it's not payroll necessarily because of the fact that many of these are um, volunteer positions and or it includes AHA staff. But uh, we have about that many people that we need to use to, to run the whole show. That's fantastic. And most of those people come back year after year. They do, yeah. Well, it's impressive, and it is. Uh, speaks to your leadership as well, and congratulations and our appreciation for all of your millions of man hours that you put into this and many other things that you've been involved with AHA and horse clubs for many years now. It's commendable. Well, thank you. It's certainly like we talked about. It's a, it's a, it's a passion and a love, and it's something that uh, I feel very enriched. My life has been enriched with my involvement with the Arabian Horse. I've met so many wonderful people over the years, and I just can't imagine um, a life without them. Well, is there anything you'd like to add at the end here as we close out? Uh, last topics or a couple things that you want to tempt us with new information for next year? Well, um, you know, we don't know what we're going to do with the future location, and that is one that we're studying. We are required to um, we the commission when it was approved that we would not rotate for 2022 and that we would stay at WEC because that's the only way they would take us is if we signed a three-year contract. Um, the board of directors passed that with the exception that we would continue to look for a West Coast rotation. So the commission has been actively trying to do that. 
and has been doing a lot of research and contacting the various facilities around the country to see. And so, you know, I, I can't really say right now what is going to happen after 2023 or where we'll be in 2024. Um, all we know is that there is a path of growth for the Sport Horse Nationals, and we feel it's directly related to having a quality sport horse facility that was built for our type of show. And so that limits us as to where we can go. Sure. So we're working on that. And then, um, you know, there is the Resolution 5, which is coming up at convention in November, that will allow Arabian judges to uh, officiate at, I believe, value shows um, in the sport horse in hand and the sport horse under saddle. And I think that that's going to um, create a lot of debate. There are, um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that the sport horse exhibitors themselves are very favorable about that because the founding fathers or their, our founding committee, you know, wanted to bring in experts from other d disciplines to um, kind of critique us as to how well we're doing and um, we're not really um, sure we don't want to go against what they set out because it's working for us and it's working as we can see by the young horses that are coming through and coming into the ranks now and so we're not sure that we really want to rock that boat but sure. we are you know we are willing to listen and um and a debate about that and see, you know, where it goes and where it progresses. Well, so many of these decisions are a lot more complicated than most people realize, unless you're in the thick of things. You don't really understand, you know, the 17 different variables that are involved in, you know, these complications. So I'm sure you all will get some decisions made. Um, on the national show and locations, that's just a constant problem for any of these larger shows because there's so few facilities in the USA that can handle them. So you, you're kind well, of forced into a short number, short list. I think it's that, and we're a huge country, so you know it, it, there's going to be a few people that it's close that the show will be close, and then everybody else is going to have to travel and you know I'll use Tulsa as an example. Everybody was kind of shocked that they were going to go to Tulsa and stay there for a period of time to try it out. Now people just plan on going to Tulsa. It's become the home for the u s nationals. And um, I think that we have to realize that sometimes those facilities that fit our needs, we, we have to go with. There's, there's a lot of facilities around the country, but very few of them will fit the, the number of horses that we have and, the, um, and our unique needs. You know, for instance, U.S., they have to have all of the arenas need to be covered and, and protected from the weather. You can't have them outdoors, and there's just not that many. They can, re because of our versatility and the number of different, different disciplines that we run, there's just not that many facilities that can handle that. Right. Well, Jim, if anyone wants to, you know, ask you questions or otherwise, like, stalk you, how <laughs> do they reach you via email? Uh, it's J-S-P-O-R. CH at Comcast.net. And I'd love to hear from anybody. I, you know, um, feel free to, to contact me there and uh, I'll see if I can answer any questions you might have. 
Well, Jim, thank you so much. We really appreciate all the great information, and um, we look forward to a fantastic event in 2023. Well, we are too, and thanks for contacting me. I appreciate it. Hey, this is Austin, director of the We Love Arabian Horses podcast. Thanks for listening. If you want to share ideas, feedback, or want to get involved, send me an email at austin at weloveArabianHorses.com.